Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Miami Vineyard Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, breathes life into you, and helps you experience God's love. Enjoy the message. Hey, Miami Vineyard, so good to be with you. So good to be with those of you joining us online, wherever you're joining us from. Maybe you're watching alone. Maybe you got a watch party going on. Whatever you're happening, we love you, our online family. Can we make some noise and welcome in our online Vineyard family tonight? So my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors. Hey, can we celebrate one more time those who are water baptized tonight? Come on. Come on. So good. That was so good. It was so good. So good. So, how many of you have at least one sibling? You've got one brother or sister. Can I see your hands? You've got one brother or sister. All right, that's quite a few of you. If you're online with us right now in the chat, just put the number, how many you have online. All right, how many of you are the oldest? Can I see your hands if you're the oldest? Any, any oldest? Old, okay, oldest, okay. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying a few things about the oldest. Okay, so if you're the oldest, here's what's probably true about you. There's probably more pictures of you than anybody else in the family, but other siblings. You've got the most pictures. You probably, you, probably, you probably were the only one with the baby shower, and chances are you might be the only one with a prepaid college tuition as well. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. You're the oldest. You got the best, all right? How about, how many of you are second oldest? Can I see your hands? Second oldest, okay? We got some second oldest in the house, all right? Second, second. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know why you came along? You were a play toy for the firstborn. Uh, you probably didn't know that, but that's, that's, that's what happened. That's, your parents needed something for the oldest one to do, and that's where you came from. Just wanted you to know. All right, how about third? Anybody third in the house tonight? We got anybody? Oh, we got some third. Okay, all right, all right. Third, can I just say, okay, to those of you that are born third, sucks to be you. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just okay, so look, look. <laughs> Once you get to number three, I'm just saying, once you get to number three, there are so many fewer pictures of you than of the older two. It's like you, sometimes you wonder, was I adopted? I mean, number one gets a scrapbook. Number two gets a scrapbook. Number three gets a scrapbook. There's just only one picture in it. And that's the one that the nurse took when you were born, and that's it. That's all you got. All right, that's number three. How about number four or five or beyond? Anybody four or five or, or more? Wow. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we know, we know, we know, we know. Listen, my wife and I, my wife and I have five kids, and so we, we kind of know how that goes. But for me, personally, I am the second born out of a family of eight children. Mom and dad had seven biological kids, and, and my mom had seven kids in nine years. Yeah, hello, that's another story, but anyway... And then, then when we were, you know, so we kind of grew up kind of, kind of together. And then, then later in life, my mom and dad adopted a 16-year-old girl from Guatemala named Angie, Angelica. And Angie has been, uh, she's been such a blessing to our family. And in fact, in two months, I'll be going up to Wisconsin to perform her wedding. So that's kind of fun. So, but back to birth order for just a moment, because I was born, I was second oldest, I was born 18 months behind my older brother, and my mom tells me that when I came along, my older brother wasn't happy about that, because he was, you know, he was, he was it, 
And then I came along and I, you know, second born comes along and starts stealing all the attention the older brother used to get. In fact, my mom tells me that my older brother was so mad that I had come along that she had to keep a close eye on me because my, my, my older brother would grab clothespins. You know the old school clothespins? Some of you don't even know what this is, a clothespin. <laughs> you hang clothes on the line to dry. Okay, never mind, never mind. Clothespins. And my mom, would, my mom would hang a lot of clothes, a lot of kids, and, and, and so my older brother would, would find these clothespins laying around the house, and he would try to take these and gouge my eyes out. And my mom said she had, she said she had to keep it really close. She couldn't set me down in like this little, little, you know, nice little seat there because my brother would try and gouge my eyes out. And honestly, my older brother, he didn't like me then, and he didn't like me going through life pretty much at all. I got to high school. So there's four boys in our family. We were one year apart in school. We were, at one point in high school, we were, we were senior, junior, sophomore, freshman. So my brother was one year ahead of me, 18 months, but one, one grade ahead of me. And so, you know, he was in 10th grade and I got to high school as a ninth grade. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, I knew, you know, we weren't like best buds, but I thought, you know, I'm going to high school. Man, this high school is scary. Thousand kids, a big school, you know, and I wasn't very, I'm, I'm still not huge right now, but, but, but I was, I entered high school, I was just five foot three. I was just really short, hadn't hit, hadn't hit any growth spurt yet. And I was scared. I thought, you know, older brother is going to be there for you, right? He's going to watch out for you. Like he didn't have any clothespins, so I thought I was good, but he's going to watch out for you. And I got to high school and instead of watching out for me, it was really embarrassing for me. He, he had his friends. And his friends would line up in the hallway where I was walking down the hallway. And back in the day, we didn't have book bags like everybody has today. You actually carried your books under your arm. Some of you remember this? Like your textbooks are lined up there, your folders lined up there, walking through the school. And his, 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 his goons, his friends, <laughs> and so they would sneak up behind me and they would whack the books out of my arm and they would go sliding down the hallway. And then he had another friend about 10 feet down that would kick it and all the way down it goes. And I'm this little freshman, dinky little freshman, just embarrassed. Uh, just, it was just not fun at all. And I think the biggest thing was I felt betrayed by him. That, that, that this is happening. And, and it happened day after day after day. And I didn't want to tell my parents because I didn't want to be the guy to rat him out. I never want to be that guy. But my mom knew that something was going on because I didn't want to go to school. And she said, what's happening? And I finally told her what was happening. And so she had a conversation with my older brother. And then she had a conversation with me. And she said, you know, Kevin, you have to forgive him. And I said, there's not a chance I'm forgiving him. <laughs> I said, not a chance. And I meant it. I meant it. I was hurt. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was embarrassed. I mean, any, any emotion you want to put with it. Now, look, look I, know, I know that's, you know, some of you have way more story than that. But for me, that really affected me emotionally. But, but I, just, I just want to ask us in the room today, right? Here we are in the room today. Has any of you have ever had anything happen to you, anything, where you needed to forgive somebody for it? Can I see your hands? Anybody, anybody ever have anything happen? Yeah, if your hands are up, you're a big fat liar, because it's called being a human. This weekend, we're kicking, off, we're kicking off a brand new series this weekend called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? And we're looking at some issues that Jesus faced and some of the same issues we face and seeing what Jesus would do. Today, 
I want to take a look at an event that happened in the very last week of Jesus' life, like the week right before we celebrate Easter. By the way, you know, Easter's only four weeks away. Hard to believe. We're in March now, and Easter is the last Sunday of March, so we're only four weeks away from Easter. So, so this series is going to lead us right up and into Easter. But we're going to look at an event that happened in the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Take a look at that event and how that affects you and I today. I'm really excited about this series. I think this series is going to be powerful. I think it's going to breathe some life and some hope into us. So let's get started tonight. I'd love for you to locate some message notes. Message notes are all virtual. You can find them at our Miami Vineyard app. So if you don't have the app downloaded yet, it's a very simple download. You can go to your app store, search Miami Vineyard, or if you're in the room today, you can scan this QR code right here in the seat back in front of you. You can download the app. It's a free download. Once you download the app, tap on this weekend message notes, this weekend message notes, or if you want a hard copy of the notes, you can find them available at the back there. You can grab one of those anytime you want. This will just help you track with me. There's some Bible verses on there helping you track with me today. So the event we're looking at today is found in the Bible, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. And I just want to read a couple of those verses to you from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. Verse 32 says this. It's it's speaking about the last 24 hours of Jesus' life when he was on a cross, hanging on a cross, being crucified. Here's what it says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified Jesus there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. So let's, let's pause there for just a moment. So this is the story taking place right now. So let me set the scene for you. Jesus is on this area of the city, and he's being crucified on a cross. And, you know, the cross was designed for a couple of reasons. The cross was designed for torture, but it was also designed for humiliation. A lot of people understand the torture part, but they don't get the humiliation part. You know, the word we use today, excruciating in our English language, comes from the, the word crucifixion, same root word, excruciating, crucifixion, the same root word comes out of that. And so what they would do is they would lay a cross flat down on the ground. They would put nails through the hands and nails through the hands and nails through the feet, and then they would tip the cross up and set it in the ground. And a, lot of the, and a lot of you have seen movies and things about the cross, and a lot of people envision the cross as being this, this big, tall thing up in the sky. And... And certainly it was up a little bit, but I read this week that the cross was probably a lot lower than we think. And as a result of this, because, because they would put people on the cross for, as I said, for torture and for humiliation. Torture this. Not only was it a pain to have, obviously, nails driven through your hands and your feet, but do you realize you didn't die from bleeding out on a cross? You know how you died on a cross? Suffocation. You had to, they, they, would, they would put your feet together and they would bend your knees so every time you had to lift up to get a breath and back down. And eventually you couldn't lift your legs anymore and you would die. You would hang on a cross for days before you would die. It wasn't hours, it was days. And so these three people are hanging on a cross, Jesus and the two criminals, one on either side. And, and so they would, they would, and they would place these, these crucifixions in areas of the city where people would walk by. They wanted you to see the people dying. So you'd get a hint and not do what they did. 
That's what they did. They wanted you to be there. And then when people walked by, they would hurl insults at them. They would spit on them because they weren't, they weren't some people hanging way up there. They're like eye, almost eyeball to eyeball. And you could walk past them and you could, you could, you could see them. And you're, oh, you're disgusting. You're despicable. Blah, 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 whatever. They would literally spit on them, mock them. It was, it was the humiliation part of the cross. It wasn't just the pain. It was the humiliation. And this is exactly what's happening to Jesus. They were spitting on him, mocking him. In fact, one of the criminals on, on one side, as all this mocking went on, one of the criminals on one side looked at Jesus. I thought you were God. I thought you were king of the Jews. I thought you were, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you get yourself down from this cross? Save yourself. Oh, hail king of the Jews. And the Bible says that everybody around, and I'm quoting the Bible, hurled insults at him. Can you imagine? This is Jesus. This is the one who's on the cross to give us the forgiveness of our sins. This is Jesus on that cross. So not only is it tremendous, as I said, physical pain, it's also psychological pain, emotionally, mentally. And look, I realize that none of you in this room have had to experience crucifixion pain. But we've got our own stuff. Some of you have been laughed at, you've been bullied, you've been embarrassed, you've been betrayed. Maybe because you had an older sibling. No, maybe because... Maybe because of the color of your skin, the language you speak, your accent, your gender. You've been mocked, you've been mistreated, you've been judged, you've been insulted, you've been bullied. And the pain for some of you in this space tonight, and those of you joining me online right now, some of the pain is so real, you can feel it like it was yesterday. And I just want to say to you that if that has been your experience, I am sorry, and I mean it, I am sorry that this happened to you. But how do we deal with stuff like this? How do we deal when we, something happens to us or something happens to one of our loved ones? How do we deal with this? How do we forgive? What would Jesus do? Right? That's a series. What would Jesus do? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. What Jesus would do. In fact, in fact, we'll talk about it right now. If you look at the very next verse in this story, the very next verse, so, so two other men hurling insults at him, one on his right, one on his left, people hurling insults at him, spitting on him, all this kind of stuff. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. That's what Jesus would do. But you're going, I ain't Jesus. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Listen, I hear you. All of us have gone through stuff. Some in this room, are, you're carrying major pain because of the stuff you went through. Because if you live long enough, you are going to be hurt by some people around you. In fact, I think the pain that hurts the most is the pain that's done by people that love us. Some of you are carrying a significant wound in this space tonight and online. Oh, it may not be a, a wound we can see. It may not be a scar we can see. But on the inside, you've got, you've got some pain. You've got some scarring on the inside. Maybe someone abused you. Maybe someone took advantage of you. Maybe someone lied to you, cheated on you. Maybe someone hurt someone that you love. Maybe someone who claimed to be a Christian didn't act like in a very Christ-like manner. Maybe a church that you've been a part of in the past did something that devastated you, and you, you, you carry that today. Maybe stuff was said about you. Maybe, maybe something posted on social media about you that wasn't true and it still lingers today. 
Maybe a boss didn't appreciate you. Maybe a job let you go. and Maybe a coworker betrayed you. And I just want to say, we, we can make a long list, right? I just want to say that, again, that I'm sorry. I really am. I'm sorry that you experienced this. I'm sorry for your pain. And I want nothing more than to see your pain end and justice to happen. But can I also tell you tonight that there is a God who sees you. There is a God who knows you. There is a God who sees your pain, who's felt that pain on that cross. And there is a God who wants to bring healing and forgiveness and redemption to your soul tonight. There is a God. There is a God. There is a God. I'm telling you tonight. I'm telling you tonight. Tonight is going to be a powerful night. If you're carrying any of this with you tonight, tonight is your time to let it go. Tonight is your time. And I just want to invite you to open up your mind, to open up your heart, to open up your, your soul to the person and to the presence and the power of Jesus Christ because he is in this space tonight and wants to bring healing to your soul. So, but how do we forgive people like that? People who've hurt us, people who took advantage of us, people who hurt my family. You're going, Pastor Kevin, I could never forgive them. Okay, I get it, I get it. I know Jesus did, but I ain't Jesus. Okay, I get it. This forgiveness thing is challenging. There's no question about it. And we are not going to be able to cover all the bases tonight. But I do, want to, I do want to give you a couple of things that I think we can learn from looking at Jesus on the cross in this experience. What would Jesus do? Right? And here's what Jesus told us to do. Ready? If you're taking notes, here we go. I just got two things I want to pass you away tonight. Just two things. And, we'll, and that'll be enough for tonight. Here we go. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes. Here's what Jesus did. And here's what Jesus tells us to do. Number one says this. Pray for those who hurt you. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6, 28. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. What's the next word? Thank you for the three of you who said that. Okay. What's the next word? Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those. I know that sounds crazy. It just sounds insane. Why am I going to pray for them? Do you realize that just as crazy as that sounds to us, it sounded that same way to the first century audience when Jesus said that? Just as crazy. In fact, even more crazy. It was mind-blowing. Because look at the next verse. Jesus went on and he said, you've heard, it, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and do what? And pray for those who persecute you. And he's telling the cross, the people, He's telling the people, look, look, you've heard your entire lives. You've been taught this your entire lives. Love those who love you and hate those who hate you. You've been taught this your entire lives. Love those who love you and hate those who hate you. But Jesus says, I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecuted you. The moment Jesus said that, you could have heard a clothespin drop. They were stunned. Like, what? Jesus, not a chance. No, this is not happening. It was so radical, so different, and so contrary to everything they grew up believing. Because when Jesus was speaking to the people, there were two dominant groups of people. There were Romans in the audience. Romans worshipped many gods, but one was a god named Ultio, which was a god of revenge. They worshipped the god of revenge. 
Revenge was the high, you know, one of the highest things you could do. Get back at someone. Get revenge. Get revenge. Get revenge. And the Romans worshiped the God of revenge. Jesus is telling us, don't take that revenge. He's saying, pray for people. And then the Jewish audience, Jewish audience were raised their entire life. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You've heard that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Blood for blood. When someone wrongs you, you wrong them back. When someone takes something from you, you take something back. When someone breaks a bone, you break a bone back. When somebody flips you off in traffic, you flip them off back. Unless you have one of these decals on your car, please don't flip them off. I'm just saying. No, you don't flip them off back, but that's what, we, that's what we think. That's what we've been taught. Some of you have been taught that. And what Jesus is asking us is just so different. People were stunned. He says, you don't take revenge. You don't get back at them. Instead, instead, instead what he says is you, you not, yeah, yeah, not, not only do you not do those things, but you do something almost for them. You, you, you pray for them. You pray for them. I know some of you are going right now, Pastor Kevin. There's no way. There is no way I'm ever praying for them. Why would I do that? Why would Jesus ask me to do that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. But let me just give you one. Jesus always goes after the inside of us. He cares about this, but he cares so much more about what's happening on the inside. He's always going after the inside. And Jesus, what, what Jesus is saying is when you pray for someone, you begin, to, you begin to get the inside aligned correctly, and then it's easier to forgive someone. But if you don't have the inside aligned, you will never get the outside aligned. But see, we do that so backwards here in this country, don't we? We, we think we change the outside and I'll change the inside. That doesn't work that way. According to the Bible, we get the inside figured out and the, then, then things get expressed on the outside. That, that, that when I'm overwhelmed, what Jesus is saying is that when I'm overwhelmed with bitterness in my heart towards someone, there is no way I'm ever going to have the right action toward them. But when I begin to pray for them, then things change on the inside. Things change on the inside. Something to change in my attitude, something to change in my heart, something to change in my soul, and then I have, then I have the, right, the right action that's going to come out of this. And this is why he tells us to pray, because prayer may not change them, but prayer will change you. Prayer may not change them, but prayer will change you. For those of you in a challenging relationship right now, whether marriage or not, whatever, friend, coworker, whatever, start praying for them. Why don't I pray for them? Start praying for them. Next thing you know, he's going to ask me to start loving them. Listen, you start praying for them. I cannot tell you that they're going to change. They may still do the same stupid stuff they're doing now, but something's going to change inside of you. 
over and over and over again. Listen, some of you, I just saved you $150 of marriage therapy right now, right here tonight. I expect to see it in the offering in a little bit. Listen, 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 listen. I'm telling you. And don't just pray for them once. Pray for them day after day after day. And, and just allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. I'm telling you, things happen. Things happen. God is on the move, and God changes people's hearts, and God changes people's lives. And some of you, I know, listen, some of you, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, I get it, I get it, I get it. You're going, no, Pastor Kevin, I love you, but I don't know if I love what you're saying. Prayer will begin to change your heart. I'm not saying it's instant. I'm not saying it's instant. That's why I said day after day after day after day. And honestly, when you, when you start praying for somebody, you, you, you might not even be able to pray for them. You're going, okay, I heard you, Pastor Kevin. I want to pray, but I can't pray. I get it. I totally get it. The pain is so real, you can't pray. Listen, I get that. So here's what you do. Say, God, would you help me pray for them because I can't pray for them? That's what you do. God, help me pray for them because I can't pray for them. I just can't. And I get it, I get it, you're being honest. I get it, I love, I love when you're honest, I love when I'm honest, I love when we're honest together. And you're honest. I say, God, would you help me pray because I can't pray. So Pastor Ben, what do I pray? Pray that they get hemorrhoids. No, I'm just praying, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's what you want to pray. I pray they get audited by the IRS. I pray they get hit by a truck. And then it backs up and gets them again. Right? That's not praying for them. Pray for them. And look, look, if you... If, so, right, two things. You say, I can't even pray. Okay, God, help me pray. And you say, well, Pastor Kevin, I don't know even how to pray for them because uh -huh, I don't even know. So then I would pray, just say, God, God, I know, I know I'm supposed to pray for them, but I don't know what to pray for them, so I'm just praying to you, so God, you take it. You just take it. Just give them, just give them, just give them over to God. Surrender them over to God. And let God do what he's going to do with them. So number one says, pray for them. Pray for them. We're talking today about what would Jesus do? Well, that's what he did when he's hanging on the cross. He said, he, he said Father, he's praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. That's what he's doing. He's praying. He's praying, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. So that's the first thing. Pray for them. For some of you, this is, this is I, 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 for some of you, I know, I, I just sense it on the stage here now. This is radical for you. Like to just, like to even consider praying for them. But I would invite you. I want to invite you. Okay, then here's number two. Let's move on to number two. Number two says this. So number one says pray. 
then out of praying comes number two, forgive as you have been forgiven. See, we forgive in the same manner that Jesus forgave us, but you go, but Pastor Kevin, I've never done what they did. I get it. I get it. But look what, look, look what the Bible says. Forgive one another. If any of you have any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord, what? Forgave you. Now, look, look we, we may not have done what they've done, but we've all messed up. I mean, just take our thought life alone. Whew. Just take our thought life alone is enough. We've all messed up. And now, so I just speak for me, right? I'm just speaking for me. How many lies I've told? How many people I've hurt? How many things I've done and said that were just wrong? How many times I mistreated the cats? I'm just speaking for me. <laughs> How many times I've sinned against God? And can I tell you how grateful I am for the forgiveness of God? That he forgives me. He forgives you no matter what you've done or how many times you've done it and how many times you're going to do it. He forgives you. It's powerful. It's what we're celebrating at baptism this weekend. Change happened here. Forgiveness happened here. Restoration happened here. New life happened here. This is what, yes, this is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. This is what Jesus does. Forgiveness happened here. And see, this is so critical. It, this is so critical because when I, it is so much easier to forgive someone when we get a glimpse of how much we've been forgiven. The Bible says, he who is forgiven much loves much and if we get a glimpse of how much God has forgiven us it, it, it is so much easier to forgive somebody else but at some point see at some point we've got to make a decision in life if I'm going to be bitter or if I'm going to be better you know what the only difference between bitter and better is it's the letter I I make the difference do I choose bitter or do I choose better because I can choose I can choose. Whatever happened to you does not have to define you the rest of your life. It does not. Jesus Christ forgives, restores us, and we can choose to forgive them, but the difference is, the difference is I, bitter or better. But let's, let, let's, just, let's just, 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 just humor me for a minute. Let's just, let's just say we hold on to it, right? We get bitter. Let's just hold on to it. Let's not forgive. Let's hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm not forgiven, Pastor Kevin. This is sticking with me the rest of my life. What they did to me, they don't deserve to be forgiven. I'm not forgiven. I'm going to hold on to it. Okay, let's say we hold on to it. And we're bitter. Here's what happens. Every time I see this person, every time I think about the person, every time I see somebody who reminds me of the person, every time their name comes up in a conversation, Christmas time, if they're around, I'm miserable the whole time. Maybe the extended family reunion, it's just, it's just miserable. Whenever their name comes up in a conversation, you leave the room because you're not even talking about them. Three o'clock in the morning, you have a dream. Their name comes up, blah, 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 blah. And you wake up just mad, and you're going to claw their eyes out. And you're going to tell them to suffer in hell. Do you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. 
That's all it is. Bitterness doesn't affect them. It just messes us up in a big time way. So what's the other option? The other option is better. Because as I said before, whatever you've experienced does not have to define you. It does not have to define you. Pastor Kevin, I just can't. You are right. You need the power and the person of Jesus Christ who will empower you to forgive. Because I get it. In human power left to us, we just can't. But Jesus Christ, with the power and presence of Jesus Christ, we can. We can. We can. We can. We can. Jesus Christ wants to set you free so you can forgive and you can set them free. Do they deserve it? Absolutely not they don't deserve it. But do we deserve to be forgiven by Jesus? Absolutely not we don't deserve it either. That's called grace. That's called love. That's called being a follower of Jesus because we are different from everyone else because we follow Jesus. So would you pray with me? Would you pray with me today? Maybe just take a moment just to, just to bow, your, bow your heads and just block out distractions tonight. Because God is in the house. He's in the space today. Maybe you're joining me online right now in whatever place or space you may be in. God, thank you for your presence in the space tonight. And God, this is a challenging subject. This, is a, this forgiveness thing is challenging. It's challenging. And God, I can only imagine the pain that's in this room tonight. And in, the, in, in those of us joining on, online tonight, I can only imagine the pain that's in this place tonight. And God, we say to you right now, God, we say to you that we don't want to be bitter. We want to be better. We don't want this to plague us and, and be a noose around us and just and just just we just we just we just feel this pain all over again, almost on a daily basis, or certainly every time the, the name comes up or the situation comes up or the circumstance comes up, we just feel it all over again. And God, I pray tonight that your presence would be upon us, in us, around us, that we, we by your power, God, could we take the step to begin to pray for them? God, I know that some may not be able to take that step, but then, God, would you, God, would, would you pray, God, 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 help me to pray for them. Help me to pray for them. I don't even know what to pray. Great. Just say, God, I don't even know what to pray. just pray right now for you. I pray for God's presence to be in you, upon you, around you. I pray for the presence of God to heal the pain and the suffering and the trauma that some of you have experienced. I just invite you right now, open up your heart and your life 
to the power of Jesus. He's in this space tonight. He's in this place tonight. I believe he's bringing healing. I, I, I totally, I believe he's bringing healing to some of you right now. Some of you are going to pray for this person that hurt you for the first time in your life. You're going to pray for them tonight. And I commend you. I commend you. You're going to take the courageous step and you're going to pray for them tonight. And God, we tell you, God, that there's no way we can do this on our own. And I just want to invite you tonight that if there's never been a time in your life where you have opened up your life to the person of Jesus Christ, then I want to invite you to do it right here, right now, tonight. Just say this simple prayer inside. You don't pray it out loud, but just inside. Say, Jesus, tonight I open my life to you. Tonight I say yes to you. Tonight I, I want your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I want your presence. I want your power in my life. I can't live this life without you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me? Would you make me whole? Would you give me the power to forgive? So God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives tonight. And I pray all these things tonight in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. We'd also love the chance to connect with you. You can text the word NEW to 786-705-8930. Again, that's NEW to 786-705-8930. And we'll give you some next steps with how to plug in and get connected here at Miami Vineyard. We hope you have an amazing week. And thanks again for listening.